Hey there, and thank you for tuning into the Rock Guys Podcast. We are on episode 38. We are reaching milestones each and every week. And on this episode of the Rock Guys Podcast, we are covering Guns N' Roses, which was an American hard rock band formed in 1985, originally formed with L.A. Guns guitarist Tracy Guns. When they finally signed with a major record label, Greffin Records in 86, their lineup consisted of vocalist Axl Rose, lead guitarist Slash, rhythm guitarist Izzy Stradlin, bassist Duff McKagan, and drummer Steven Adler. The career of this band is an interesting one, that's definitely for sure. Many of their albums sold more copies than some career releases of the bands I've covered. GNR has sold over 100 million albums worldwide, including over 43 million in the U.S. alone. And they accomplished this through the release of six studio albums, one live album, two compilation albums, three EPs, 20 singles, nine video albums, and 23 music videos. Guns N' Roses are one of the most famous rock groups in the world and have impacted many lives through the years, the good along with the bad. This will be part one of a two-part series for Guns N' Roses because there's a lot here. So stay tuned for this episode covering Guns N' Roses on the Rock Guys podcast right here, right now. Get your rock fix. The Rock Guys. The Rock Guys. The Rock Guys. Mmm, the Rock Guys. The Rock Guys. Mmm, the Rock Guys. Hey there, and thank you for sticking around for this episode of the Rock Guys podcast featuring GNR, otherwise known as Guns N' Roses or GN fucking R, whatever you call it, it's still Guns N' Roses in the books. Now, at the sake of repeating myself, I'm not going to repeat the whole origin. I think by now you've got it. If not, tune into last week's episode. After GNR signed with Greffin Records in 86 and receiving a $75,000 advance, they produced and released a four-song EP called Live Shit. I don't know, it's a bunch of cursing symbols. Live Shit. So I'll just call it Live Like a Suicide. So no confusion in case I'm wrong. Which was basically just to keep interest going while they hit the studio and keep the record label off their back at the same time. The four songs were taken from the band's demo tape. Oh, the missing four. And had crowd noises added into them. The search for a producer so that they may get started was a long process. Interviewing many producers, including Paul Stanley of KISS. Spencer Proffer was hired on and recorded several songs with the group, but the ultimate decision was to bring in Mike Klink, who had produced several Triumph releases. In January of 87, GNR entered the studios to start working on their debut studio album! Excellent! This will be the release that will spark their career! 
And in July of 1987, GNR released Appetite for Destruction. The album peaked at number one on the Billboard 200 and sold in excess of 30 million copies worldwide. Their supporting tour saw them on the road touring for 16 months on the Appetite for Destruction tour. Their North American tour saw them opening for The Cult, Motley Crue, and Alice Cooper during the second half of 87. This was around the time that Steven Adler broke his hand and was covered by Fred Curry, drummer for Cinderella. Does that sound familiar? During the 1989 AMA show, American Music Awards, Don Henley of the Eagles played while Stephen was in rehab. Guns N' Roses continued touring throughout Australia, Japan, and the U.S. GNR appeared as opening acts to Maiden and Aerosmith in the U.S. Aerosmith's manager at the time was pissed off at the band for exploding and becoming so huge that during this tour, Rolling Stone magazine came in to cover Aerosmith but left with GNR on the cover of the magazine. Suddenly, the opening knack was bigger than we were, said their manager. GNR Lies, the band's second studio album, was released in November of 1988 and peaked at number two on the Billboard 200. The album has sold over five million copies in the U.S. alone. The only single off this album, a ballad called uh, Patience peaked at number four on the Billboard Hot 100. The album contained four acoustic tracks and the four tracks from their live Like a Suicide EP. The controversial uproar caused by the track One in a Million is still questioned to this day, along with the track Used to Love Her, which nobody seems to understand according to Slash, is about Axel's dog. Their touring continued, and when there's a show on with GNR you're going to see, you take your chances. Axel's reputation for being late for shows, walking off stage, or starting shit with fans and security guards is legendary. Diving at a fan to get his camera off him, assaulting a few security guards during a November 87 show in Atlanta that got him arrested, and all this gave the band the reputation of the most dangerous band in the world. In 1990, Guns N' Roses entered the studio to start working on their next release. Before entering the studio, Steven Adler was to sign a contract vowing not to use drugs anymore. Unfortunately, the struggle with cocaine and heroin addiction really affected his playing. In July, GNR fired Steven for his drug use. His position was filled by Matt Sorum. In September of 91, the band released not one, but two albums. Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. Number 1, Use Your Illusion 1, reached number 2 on the Billboard 200, and number 2 reached number 1 on the charts. Number 2 sold at 770,000 copies, and number 1 sold 685,000 copies. Together, the albums have sold over 35 million copies worldwide, including 14 million in the U.S. The ballad November Rain peaked at number 3 in the U.S. and was a highly requested video on MTV. The singles video also won the MTV Video Music Award in 1992. In May, 
before the release of the album, Guns N' Roses embarked on a promotional tour for both albums, dubbed the Use Your Illusion Tour. The tour ended in July of 1993 and was comprised of 194 shows in 27 countries within 28 months. This was the tour that was the source of infamy for Guns N' Roses, with riots breaking out, late to start shows, cancellations, and just Axel ranting on stage. Live recordings from their show in Tokyo for this tour would be later released on a DVD. In July of 91, a riot broke out at the Riverport Amphitheater in St. Louis. After Axel got into an altercation with a fan about filming with the camera, Axel stormed off stage and yelled into the microphone, Well, thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home. And then he dropped the mic. So what was the rest of the band supposed to do? So they just followed. He was fined $50,000 in property damages and given two years probation because of this. The liner notes on Use Your Illusion featured the notes saying, Fuck you, St. Louis. In November of 1991, during a concert in Germany, a repeat situation of the St. Louis incident started to unfold once again prompting Izzy Stradlin to up and leave. From what I gather from it all, Izzy turned into a dick after he quit drinking and he started hating being around people that weren't sober. That, in turn, created a hatred from the rest of the band. From there, it was just a bad situation to be in. Now, if the band didn't find a replacement guitarist within three weeks, they would have to cancel a few shows. Dave Navarro of Jane's Addiction was considered, but they ultimately brought on Gilby Clark to fill the spot. But later on, in 93, Gilby broke his arm in a motorcycle accident and Izzy stepped in to help out for a few weeks. Pretty cool. In April of 92, the band performed at the Freddie Mercury Tribute Concert. The band rubbed shoulders with some of the legends, Brian May, Joe Elliott, the vocalist for Def Leppard, and even Elton John. Later that year, GNR joined Metallica for the Guns N' Roses Metallica Stadium Tour, supported by Faith No More, Motorhead, and Body Count. During their show in August at the Olympic Stadium in Montreal, James Hetfield lit up like Michael Jackson on a Pepsi commercial. He burned his hands and face during a pyrotechnic failure causing second-degree burns, which prompted the cancellation of the second half of Metallica's show. After a long delay and frustrated fans, GNR took the stage. Can you imagine you're sitting there, you're expecting another half a show to go on, and you get called to go up? What do you do? This is ultimate panic. We're not ready like we weren't prepared. So they took the stage anyway. Obviously, they weren't given enough time to set everything up and had a lot of technical difficulties with them not being able to hear themselves play. And then after, Axel claimed his throat hurt, causing the band to leave early. Well, wouldn't you know it? People were upset. Damn, you know. Instead of seizing the opportunity, these idiots blew it away. Could you imagine if they played hard? This could have been huge. Well, the fans, yeah, they lost it. The riot ensued and 10 audience members and three police officers were seriously injured. Them Quebecers are fucking crazy. See what I did there? In November of 1993, GNR released The Spaghetti Incident, or should be The Spaghetti Incident, but whatever. Their fifth studio album. This was the release that was supposed to be a covers EP. 
but the band decided to release a full album. Of course, what would a GNR album be if it didn't contain some type of controversy? This album contained a cover of a song by Charles Manson called Look At Your Game Girl, which was a hidden track on the album. The outrage received for this song was dampered a little bit by Axel Slash and even their label president, David Griffin, when Axel and the band indicated that proceeds received from the song would be donated to a non-profit organization. When they were just about to remove the song from the album, they were told that the royalties would be donated to one of the victim's son. And Geffen Records stated that their share would be donated to the Doris Tate Crime Victims Bureau. Good move here! There was no supporting tour for this album and was their worst selling album only selling 1 million copies as of 2018. The Spaghetti Incident debuted at number 4 on the charts and sold over 190,000 copies in its first week. But I speculate that this was basically due to their popularity and the high expectations from their followers. In 1994, GNR worked in the studios with a few tricks under their belt. But come May, Axel would scrap the material saying that it just wasn't good enough. Saying that the collaboration from the band just wasn't there. In December of 94, Axel Rose's childhood friend Paul Huge Tobias played rhythm guitar for the band's release of their cover for the Symphony of the Devil track. Huge's presence in the group was a negative one, with Slash having creative and personal differences with him. Before the final show of the Use Your Illusion tour, Axel walked up to Gilby Clark and said, Hey, enjoy your last show. According to what Slash stated in his autobiography, Axel fired Gilby without consulting anyone, saying he was a hired hand. Gilby didn't contribute to the recording of the Symphony of the Devil. Hell, he didn't even know it was out until he heard the recording. Gilby was gone from the band in 1995. Stay tuned for part two following next week, which will have the regular part of the show. Until then, stay safe and stay unsobered.